Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of the Information Security Media Group and GovInfoSecurity.com. We're continuing our conversation with Will Pilgrim, Director of New York State's Office of Cybersecurity and Critical Infrastructure Coordination. In the first part of our chat, which can be found elsewhere on GovInfoSecurity.com, Pilgrim addressed the synergy between safeguarding IT and physical infrastructures and the need for government and business to collaborate to ensure cybersecurity. Now we'll hear Pilgrim discuss the impact of the recession on government cybersecurity spending and how best to employ social networks securely. Uh, we're in a recession and budgets are tight all over, especially among the states. Are there sufficient funds to properly secure government IT and the nation's critical IT infrastructure? Yes. No. The answer to your question is I don't know the answer, but, but the, it's a great question. And here's my concern. Because of the fiscal situation that we're in, and I'm talking about state and local governments, I'm not talking about the federal level, but at state and local government level, cybersecurity is resonating. When we think about cybersecurity from a component of an industry, we're very young still. Computers only came in in the late 60s. So from a mass production perspective, you know, when I started in state government in 1982, I didn't even have a computer. So when you think about where the government was and where it is now relative to technology and dependency on the technology, we're relatively new. So with that said, the concern I have with cybersecurity is that it is very difficult to touch VLC. We know we're going to get hit, but we don't know when, we don't know how, and we don't really know where it's going to come from sometimes. While we live in that, that environment all the time and we're used to that, and we're monitoring, you know, we monitor multiple state and local governments, and we're looking at 6.5 billion logs a month. I'm used to all of that environment and analyzing that and coming up with appropriate approaches to deal with what we're seeing. But for those that control the dollars, however, it's sometimes because they may not see an impact or an effect that when they're looking to cut corners that they may say, well, we haven't had an impact that they know of, and therefore maybe this is an area where we can have cost savings. So that's my concern. I'm pleased in New York that we just held in June an executive briefing for all commissioners. We had overwhelming response to that. It was over, I believe, 150 individuals attended, 55 state agencies. And one of the things that we do is we always visualize this for the executives so they can see what's going on, they can see within their environment, they know what the impact is, and we made it really crystal clear for them because I think it's easier to have analogies on the physical side. Just because you don't have someone breaking into your home, you don't take the locks off your door or off your windows and put a sign up saying, come on in. We can't do that on the cyber side. The safeguards that we have in place, these multiple layers, which are absolutely essential since no one layer is protective in and itself that you have to have these layers in depth are really essential for the purpose of continuing our security. And then when we can show where there have been globally instances of impact, it starts to resonate. It starts to say, okay, you know, we have to be as vigilant and resilient as possible. But it is a concern. It's like one of the things that I am, but I preach about internally within the entities that I have responsibility for in New York, the concern that we never fall in that, that sort of complacency that because you haven't seen something or if your agency is doing relatively well and hasn't been a target, that it doesn't mean tomorrow you're not going to get hit. And I'm very fortunate that the governor has been incredibly supportive of this issue and a real leader on cybersecurity front that gives me that flexibility to continue to move that, that forward, even in the fiscal climate that we face today. There's a lot of things we can do that are not very expensive. While you always hear uh, the excuse, what's well, going to cost too much money, a lot of this is about management, not about technology. A lot of this is about how we think and how we act that cost almost nothing for us to implement. While, yes, there are fiscal issues, I'm also out there saying there are a lot of things you can do. For example, 
meet monthly with your information security officer, meet monthly with your chief information officer, sit down and ask the following questions. What's going on in my environment? You know, what data do we have? Who has access to that data, especially if it's personal, private, and sensitive data? How do they have access to it? How can it be transmitted? How can it be transported? And how is it stored at risk? Have we had any incidents? What were those incidents? What was the impact relative to it? So start building in at a executive level that uh, awareness of these issues that they need to have at the executive table and don't push it down to a technology because it's not about the technology. If it's about the technology alone, we'll lose. How about with the legislature? Do you have other kind of sessions for the lawmakers? If you can't tell by now, I'm a big one about sharing information, and I love what I do. I offer frequently to do cybersecurity briefs, either threat analysis or compliance analysis or just a general uh, situational awareness level for anyone in the legislature that would like to have that. We've had hearings in the past, and I am very big on making sure that it's about full disclosure. Sometimes that full disclosure is in executive session because of the nature of what you may be discussing. But generally, I think we overclassify stuff. We tend to overestimate the, the impact of some information being out there. I think that there's appropriate stuff that should not be out in the public domain, per se, that you don't want to get into the bad guy's hands. But there's, from a legislative perspective, they should know everything. And I'm actually proactive in ensuring that we provide that information to them whenever they want it in the format that they would like to have it. And I try very diligently to make sure that it is in plain English, that it is in visually understandable components. Because again, when you start talking about Java obfuscation and SQL injects, eyes can roll very quickly and understandably. What I say is, no, let's put it in a way that people can understand, including myself. And that means showing them what it is to take over a system. Let's show them visually how we can take over a system, what that means, and, and what are the impacts relative to that. Anything related to cybersecurity that keeps you up at night? I sleep at night. <laughs> it, it, you know, again, it's changing so quickly that a philosophy of how I do my office is that we plan and we look out because you have to look out to some degree out in the future, but it can't be out so far that you become wedded to a path that's going to take you down the wrong road. One of the newest things is, of course, it's the new word of the day, Twitter. And I'm not criticizing Twitter or any of the other social networking sites. My goal is to say, as we deploy these, let's make sure everyone is aware of the appropriate uses of those technologies. What are the potential vulnerabilities, but also challenges in those? And make sure that we have good behavioral practices as we use them. For example, if we're telling people don't click on a link from an untrusted source, we want to make sure that carries over when you start looking at social networking sites as well. So it's that sort of bringing together situation awareness, a process that as you deploy these new technologies, which really do in many cases make our lives better, more efficient, but at the same time that we do it in a smart way, in a secure way. As they deploy those, that they take into account the following issues. You know, what are the appropriate uses? Because if I can't go on my desktop when I'm connected to the net to certain sites, I shouldn't be able to do that when I'm on a social networking site as well. So you need to make sure that that acceptable use policies and that the, the actual implementation of that is done in a way that protects your enterprise as best as we can, depending on what the current malware or malicious activities are that are going out in the cyberspace. The last is data theft, data loss, data leakage. It's rampant, over 260 
million plus records have been reported as access. It almost becoming a rite of passage. You know, when you ask presentations, how many people have had an access issue or have had a breach of information or have gone and had to get a new credit card? It used to be DC1. Now, so many people are raising hands when you ask that question. I think as a society, we have to start questioning ourselves and say, okay, we shouldn't be in that state. We need to be better at what we do because there's certain things where it's outside our control, right? And there's other things that are definitely within our control. One of the things that's in our control is know what information you have, know what you do with that information, know who has access to that information, and protect it the best way you can. And we don't always ask those questions. So information data classification is absolutely essential. It seems daunting, but it really has to be done because I don't know how you protect data if you don't know what data you have to protect. We made a decision in New York that all laptops need to be encrypted regardless of personal, private, sensitive data because that mobile device is so easy sometimes to have data put on it. We don't want to have a human accident where it wasn't anybody intentionally trying to do something, but for the fact they were doing their job, now created a potential vulnerability because they have personal private sensitive data on a machine that's not encrypted. So I think that there's ways that we need to look at. We have a data encryption policy that I'm very pleased has been out there now for about two years. And again, we started with mobile devices, things that are most easily go astray or rogue out of your system, and then work our way to things that are much more permanent, you know, sort of almost fixed to your infrastructure. And it has really worked well for us. We shouldn't put up with the fact that just because everybody is getting a new credit card at some point in time from a breach, that that's the right thing or that's just the, the normal thing. It really isn't. We need to do better, and that's common generally for all of us. Well, thanks, Will. My pleasure. I've been speaking with Will Pelgren, the director of the New York State Office of Cybersecurity and Critical Infrastructure Coordination. I'm Eric Chabro for the Information Security Media Group and GovInfoSecurity.com. Thanks for listening.